Folks, going on, Arm and Hammer here. The 2021 individual quarterfinals for the CrossFit Games are over with. The first ever individual quarterfinals. And today we're going to take a look at some of the standout performances as well as some of the things that I saw just in general from how quarterfinals went. Let's get to it. So right off the bat, a couple of standout performances for me. Justin Medeiros, Event 2, 1346. An astounding amount of volume to be done that quickly. So many GHD sit-ups, so many pistols, so many rope climbs, like just way too many of all of those things done that quickly is really mind-blowing. Also, the 745 on the men's time for event three, 120 wall ball and 120 calorie row in 745. And not just one person, but two people tied for that score, Jason Hopper and Matt DeLugos. Unbelievable, unbelievable scores. I mean, like truly, that is booking it to an extreme degree. On the women's side, T. Claire Toomey Orr took the first place worldwide score in the first two events, 40% of the events she just won outright worldwide. The, the, the first event, that like set of triplets that were gonna be done back to back super quick, and then that huge volume GHD set of pistol rope climb thing, she just won those outright, straight up. And was like, hey, guess what? Um, just because I you know, don't have Matt over here to train with every single day doesn't mean I'm any less dominant. So here we go again, buckle up, it's gonna be a crazy season. Another thing that stands out to me is the winning scores in each of the event and where they came from. In the men's division, every single winning score was out of North America, which is, I guess, to be expected, like the best male CrossFitters historically have been located within the US, and the best female CrossFitters have historically been located outside of the US. I still am not 100% sure where that, that difference between the two divisions comes from, but while the men's division, every single winning worldwide score was out of the North American continent, most, three out of five of the winning scores on the women's side were out of Oceania. So there's a lot, there's a lot to be sort of parsed out there. I'm very curious to see if trends like that continue on. We've seen such dominance out of the champions in the past handful of years, especially on the men's side in the past decade. The women's side more recently has just been all Australia, all Tia Claire Toomey. The men's side is just all Matt Fraser, all Rich Froning, Ben Smith with a little bit of a title in there in between the two of them, but still staying in North America. The women's title has essentially traveled around the world. And I'm very interested to see if this sort of trend of international competitiveness on the women's division continues on and when, if ever, the men's division actually opens up more into the international competitors. Because it's not like we're lacking incredible competitors outside of North America on the men's side. It's just they haven't been able to take the title because, you know, the two best ever basically held on to it for a long, long time. Speaking of the GOATs, we didn't see Matt Fraser's scores. He's retired. He's not participating. He's not doing this thing. I'm sure he did at least a couple of the workouts or tried out some of the workouts. And I'm sure he has a good idea of what his scores would have been if he had done them. But we did see Rich Froning get after it 
in classic Rich Froning way of, you know what, I'm going to do these workouts and I'm not going to you know, participate. I'm not signing up for individual quarterfinals. I'm not even going to tempt myself to get this done. And he participated as kind of like a rabbit, I think, for uh, a couple of the people on his team that were out there to help him out. Like Haley was there obviously competing, uh, training with him day in, day out. But China also flew out to Cookville to do the individual quarterfinals with him around. And I think having him kind of lead the charge from the front helps that team out and their environment a lot. And it just so happens that Rich would have been like one of the best in the world at it. And the thing to me that's most surprising about that isn't that he actually would have been one of the best in the world at it. It's that people are surprised by that. There is nothing surprising about Rich Froning's longevity and ability to continue pushing the boundaries of what his capabilities are. Now, if he came out and he front squatted like 480 pounds for four, I would be incredibly surprised because not only would that be an astounding amount of weight, just a truly mind-blowing amount of weight, but it also would be out of character for him completely, especially considering, as far as I can tell, he just doesn't really lift that heavy anymore to be able to put up that type of a number in those types of lifts. But either way, my point is, you should not be surprised that Rich Froning continues to be able to do what he's doing because there really hasn't been any time in the past few years that he's like slipped. You know, we haven't seen him fail to show up and compete in really, really top level competition form, even in the open, which is the only time we've ever seen it. And sidebar, by the way, I was speaking to Rich before the 2020 CrossFit Games online stage, and I knew that this was going to be the same situation. They were going to release the workouts, and he was going to help sort of guide and rabbit, especially for Haley Adams, just like coach her through this, and his best way of experiencing it would be actually trying the workouts out. And I told, I, I just, I was like, Rich, you've, you have to, you've got to put the videos of your performances out. People have to see what you're capable of doing the last comparison you get against like the best field in the world. And it, it's just way more interesting to me to see that type of thing get some airtime versus like other strange comparisons that we got. Like, yeah, we get it. Ricky Garrard does a couple workouts kind of fast. And uh, you know, I actually haven't heard anything from him about these individual quarterfinal workouts. So I don't know. I don't know where he's at. Ricky, you're slipping. I, I imagine you did some of the quarterfinal workouts. Tell us how you did. Either way, the Rich Froning performances in this individual quarterfinal event should not be a surprise. He's obviously incredibly fit. And might I go ahead and take a real big flyer out here and say that if he really wanted to, if he wanted to come back and compete individual, your man's getting another title. That's just me. That's that's all I got to say about it. That's just me. That's what I'm get, that's what I'm putting out there and if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. It's not a big deal. So what about the programming? How did it all come together? What did I think of the workouts? I think it was cool. Overall the programming I think was pretty good. It was much much better than the open. The event 2 kind of sticks out to me as just like true overkill for what that is just there's so much. There's so much in that workout. So many reps. So much in that workout. But the sort of like just blunt nature of event two and event three back to back, there is 
there's nothing elegant about those, those workouts. I mean, you're talking about just massive doses of a ton of repetitive movements over and over and over and over again, just beating people into a pulp. And the fact that we saw such impressive weights lifted on that four rep max front squat, I loved seeing a four rep max show up. I thought the final workout was very clearly going to be some sort of variation on the snatch and burpee box jump over. If you haven't picked it up already, there are combinations of movements that Dave Castro loves to program. Snatches and burpees is one of those combinations of movements. It shows up in the open all the time. It shows up in variations at other competitions all the time. And the fact that we saw snatches and burpees in the open this year, it was like a dead giveaway. The moment we saw that box and barbell in the layout and the floor plan of that workout, dead giveaway, he's just elevating whatever version of that into a different workout using the same movements. It's exactly what we saw. I really liked how that workout came about actually. And overall, I, I think the programming for this like quarterfinals thing, it was a little bit rough around the edges. It was just that extreme dosage in the event two really is what stands out to me as a strange one. But the overall feeling that I got for it was like, yeah, if you were going to program online regionals, this is probably it. I mean, that that's about as good as it gets. That's about where you're gonna be. So there you have it, folks. If you haven't heard the news, my wife and I are moving to Los Angeles in like 10 days. And also, today is my birthday. So there's a whole lot of things going on. And this space is going to be transforming very aggressively, very, very quickly. I mean, I have like a week to basically get all of this packed up. You can't see what I'm seeing right now and you should consider yourself lucky for that. If you're interested in getting some free workouts, you can check the link in the description of this video. You can get yourself double trouble, 151 free workouts, 101 of them, just normal Metcons and stuff like that. And then 50 sandbag workouts written by myself and Chase. Or if you really want to get after it, you can check out my course, The Beginner's Guide to Writing Workouts That Don't Suck. Big update to that coming out in the next couple of weeks. Some more content being added right into that course to improve it and address some of the most commonly asked questions by the people who are already enrolled in it. Very excited to continue that process and sort of refining what that ends up looking like. So thank you so much folks for watching and hanging out and I will see you very, very soon. Take care.